Welcome to Why Mastermind, a business podcast. The views, topics, and discussion will be real, raw, and unfiltered. Listener's discretion is advised. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have Chad Camacho. Chad, do you mind just giving us a little bit of an elevator pitch, just who you are, what you do, and the problem that you're trying to solve? So, yeah, my name is, is Chad, originally from uh, Trinidad and Tobago in the tropics, moved to Canada, to Toronto specifically when I was 18 to go to school, to study to be an architect. After I graduated, got into to marketing after working in architecture for a really brief period, decided it wasn't for me. Worked in marketing and retail for a while and uh, loved a lot of components of that, uh, but knew that I always wanted to, to start something of my own. I moved out to Vancouver 10 years after living in Toronto to sort of like start to pursue that a bit because I got this impression that you know I was always seeing things starting up in Vancouver and I figured okay maybe that's like the kind of place I need to be and I think I was right uh got a job pretty quickly at a small e-commerce startup that grew from 30 employees to a thousand employees while I was there and that was pretty pivotal um in terms of helping me understand what it takes to you know grow a company from pretty much from nothing and yeah, then I was there for just under four years and thought I was going to take one more step before sort of going out on my own. And a few things sort of transpired and, you know, sort of pointed in a certain direction. I was like, I had a decision to make. And I was like, you know what, if I don't do this now, like, you know, I might never do it. And then some things sort of led up to that decision. And the previous year was obviously the first year of the pandemic. And then that year I was also diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And there was just a lot of these like things just sort of, you know, sort of poking me in my back a little bit being like, hey man, life is short. If you want to do this, like, you know, what are you waiting for? So yeah, and, and then in terms of what I decided to do, you know, I've never been short of ideas. I think there's a couple of things that are just very that come very naturally to me that sort of suited to entrepreneurship. And one is that always thinking of solutions to problems and, and maybe maybe always noticing opportunities. And so while I was working at um, the e-commerce startup that I mentioned, which is, is Article, they're an uh, e-commerce online only furniture retailer. And while I was working there, I sort of noticed that, you know, all of our campaigns, all of our shoots, we had all these like beautiful, you know, sets decorated with all of our furniture that you can, you know, buy at the click of a button. But we also had all these plants in all the sets, all these big trees and, you know, all these beautiful pots and stuff. And I just sort of noticed that there was a little bit of a, a gap in the market, you know, how if I want to buy all this like furniture and it's so convenient and so easy, I can just, you know, click on it, I can return it in like 30 days, um, you'll bring it into my home, all those kinds of things. I was like, why doesn't this exist, exist for plants? And so I did some research and, you know, really found that in particular in Canada, there really wasn't anything like that. There were a few few sort of companies in the States and in the UK that were doing an okay job, definitely sort of like the first, you know, companies I think in the world to do sort of plants online. And I genuinely thought that there was, even with what they were doing, I thought there was a way to do it better to sort of really bring it into the present um, e-commerce climate that we have. So yeah, I, I decided pretty much overnight that this is what I was going to do. And so I decided not to look for another job after I left Oracle and, you know, registered the domain January 1st, 2021, and then launched on March 1st, two months later. And now we're about a year since launch. And yeah, so far I've been proven right. You know, people really love the convenience of being able to shop for plants online. 
I think, you know, finding really high quality indoor plants is, is really challenging. Um, and especially if you want something big, something that's not just like, you know, something tiny, you could kind of pick up at the corner store, or the grocery store, there's this sort of friction of getting it home. Right. And so obviously we deliver everything, you know, to like your door within a few days. And so we're trying as much as possible to like reduce all of the friction, you know, remove the, the hassle of having to take it home, remove the hassle of having to drive to a suburban garden center, remove sort of like the burden of figuring out what is the right plant. Um, so most of the plants we carry are, you know, low light tolerance, drought tolerant, which means they don't really need like a lot of care, things that are pretty resilient and that people are going to have a lot of success with. So yeah, that's that's sort of like the seven minute elevator pitch <laughs> for what, what I what my backstory is and, and what I'm trying to do. Thing that I kind of find interesting about your startup is that I had been following you for like a really long time, kind of more so in the background. And I'm like, okay, what do you plant? Okay, what is that? I actually went on your site and I'm like, okay, because my mom has a massive green thumb. Like she's been able to take, take plants that are near death's door and revitalize them. Plants that like nobody would say like these plants are, (laughs) just throw them away in the garbage. My mom is able to actually (laughs) revive them. And it's it's absolutely scary. A perfect example of this would be in our home, we have a poinsettia. Uh, And we've had that thing for four years and it was only only supposed to bloom, I think once, but it's been perpetually blooming every single year. And right. it's a very, very hard hardy plant. We have the, uh, what are those striped plants called? The ones that are green and kind of like in a, a banana leaf shape. Jake, Jacob's, I think it's, is it Jacob's coat or Jacob's something like that? I don't know that one. That must be, that must be a rare variety. <laughs> but yeah, we, like, we have a couple of those. They've, and they're actually older than me. So I'm 24 wow. <laughs> and my mom has had those plants for decades and they're awesome. still going strong. And uh, again, it, I don't only really have a green thumb, but no, you know, it, it's definitely something, it's definitely something nice to see that, that you can kind of take something that, that is on death's door and still have that love and that care and that attention for it. Right. I, I mean, the, the, the way that the, and then um, to, to kind of get a little bit back on topic, one of the things that I liked about your site was that you guys gave a lot of information about where the plant came from, you know, what mm-hmm. what, what, are, what are the proper caring conditions? Because because I've, I've looked at plants online and I'm like, well, well, they're not really as thorough as yours were. And you mm-hmm. guys and you guys just made the process a lot less tedious and a little mm-hmm. bit more fun, which was which was yeah. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, you sort of like hit the nail on the head in terms of like what we're trying to do. And, you know, we actually only have like 11 or 12 different plant varieties uh, that we sell right now. And, you know, that's probably going to increase slowly. But the reason is because one of the, if you're a, you know, a newer plant owner, or like you say, you know, maybe you don't sort of have that that sort of natural affinity or, or skill, um, which is def- it's definitely a talent um, to sort of like, you know, nurture something back to, to health or take care of it for a really long period of time it's overwhelming right like if you go into any garden center there's like a thousand plants and they're all different they're all from different parts of the world um, and so yeah they're all indoor plants but they're not all the same and pretty early on you know talking to sort of like friends and family and you know doing some sort of informal polls on 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 social media 
uh, pretty quickly realized that like everybody has this like anxiety about plants that I'm going to kill this plant. This plant is going to die. I'm worried the plant's going to die. Like everybody thinks they're a plant killer. And it's just, you know, the problem that I sort of identified is that it has nothing to do with you. It has, it really doesn't have much to do with like the plants either. It's just that you're not finding the right match, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, I kind of sort of see us as, you know, filling this role of like a matchmaker where like we're trying to sort of like introduce somebody to, to plants. And so we want to start with like the basics. And so we want to start with sort of like the easiest plants, but that are still, you know, really beautiful and really rewarding to own. Um, and most importantly, are going to like thrive in our environments, right? And in Canada in particular, you know, we have long winters with like really short days. And so you need plants that are gonna be able to sort of survive that. And a lot of our inspiration for home decor and interiors comes from places like California, where, you know, you have pretty much like eternal summer. And so the plants that you sort of see in those environments featured in like homes in, you know, magazines and stuff are not really necessarily going to do well in in a Canadian household. So I try to sort of reduce the number of of plants there to make it a little bit more friendly, a little bit easier, um, provide just enough information, like, you know, to go from plant killer to successful plant parents, like you probably only need to know like two or three key things, right? You need to know a little bit about light. You need to know a little bit about like where your plant is from. And then you need to know a little bit about watering. But beyond that, there's not really a whole lot. And the great thing is that it's a really, you know, sort of like low cost, you know, low sort of like threshold way to, to make your space your own, to make up space your home. And I think, you know, the transient nature of our lifestyles now, like we need that, right? We need beauty in our homes. We need to feel like this place is ours, even if we're only going to be there for six months or a year. And it's, and I think plants are like one of the like easiest, fastest ways to do that. And so all I'm trying to do is to, Make it super easy for people to do that. And then also just give them the tools to, you know, to find a little bit of success because ultimately that's what's going to make people feel like it's really rewarding and want to come back is like, oh man, like this is the first, I've had, had so many customers tell me like, this is the first plant I've ever been able to successfully take care of. And it's not because they like studied a whole bunch about this plant. It's just because they were able, they had enough information to say, this is the right plant for me and my space, you know, because I live in a basement. We don't have too much light. I'm a new plant parent. So I'm going to get this like super drought tolerance, very low maintenance plant. And it's, I'm probably, it's probably going to be much more successful that way rather than you pick up something that looks pretty in like the nursery or, you know, your grocery store and you bring it home and you find out that it's like this like super intense burn that needs like, you know, rainwater only or like some, some crazy stuff like that. So it really begins with like choosing the right plant. And that's really where I've decided to like invest a lot of sort of like effort in. It's really just making it easier for the customer. You know what? That actually makes me kind of want to get a plant myself. Shit. The funny thing is that I have a family friend. She's, she's known me for a very long time. And, and she said, how many plants do you have? And she's like, we have a few. And she's like, how many? She, and we're like, we have like close to maybe 12 plants, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a little bit more. And she's like, your house is healthy because your plants are constantly circulating oxygen for you and are keeping your air clean and keeping your house, I would say, almost filtered. Filtered yeah. a lot of the stuff that's outside and because city living, right? It's not, yeah. 
not the healthiest thing. And she's like, the plants are very much like trees. What they'll do is they'll filter your air so that you have clean air to breathe to be able to help you maintain your health and be healthy. Moving forward now, right, when the time comes for me to move out of and find my own place, I'm like, well, I would love to be able to get a plant, but I'm not sure which one because, again, I don't really have a lot of plant experience. I'm not necessarily a green thumb case in point would be when I go outside and I have to water the garden everything is gone in like a couple inches of water it is, <laughs> I have I have pretty bad track record right actually taking care of plant but I definitely can see the beauty behind it I can definitely mm-hmm. see the the draw to it which is interesting but I think that you and I could kind of chat off podcast yeah yeah, yeah. I'm actually really, really curious. Where did you come up with Ron Lee? I've always, like I mentioned before, like, you know, ideas have sort of been, you know, never really short in, in my mind. And I've, I've always loved making up names for things and like coming up with like slogans. And it's just something I've done since I was a kid. I was always really fascinated with brands. And yeah, I mean, I think in the, the sort of like modern sort of naming convention of startups, especially in like the tech world, you know, something Lee or, you know, some sort of like funny word that sort of seems like a real word, but it's definitely like made up uh, is, is definitely on trend. And so, yeah, I, I was really just thinking about, you know, what I wanted the brand to, to embody and, you know, a succinct way of, of sort of standing out. And, you know, frond is is what we call sort of like a palm leaf. It's not, it's not a leaf, but sort of that like elongated, um, you know, frond. And, and so I'd always kind of in my mind had the palm as like, you know, because I'm from from the tropics and the, and the Caribbean, um, the palm was always sort of like this this sort of image for me of of that ultimate houseplants and palms also you know were some of like the original houseplants in you know sort of like Victorian times even though houseplants go back beyond that I think the sort of current you know wave of houseplants we have now uh, mostly from from that that era and and yeah I, I wanted it to be to be a very sort of like welcoming place. And so, you know, I started thinking about like friendly and other words associated with that. And it, it didn't really take too long to go from nothing to friendly. Um, there were maybe a couple of other sort of things in the running, but uh, I also liked friendly because, you know, one of the first things I did was, you know, Googled friendly and just sort of see what comes up and see what the competition was going to be for, for domains and that kind of thing. And, and it was generally pretty available. So I really was just creative name, something short, something catchy. Um, I did actually, and still do sometimes have like hesitations about it because it's sometimes hard to communicate, you know, frondly, it's not the easiest sort of sort of word to say. You really have to kind of enunciate your your O and your N and your D. And a lot of people are like, oh, is it friendly? Is it fondly? But I think I think that's a problem with like any brand name. Uh, so yeah, imagine if like you told somebody like Nike at the beginning, they'd be like, Nike? Like how is how do you spell that? Like N-I-C-K-Y? Like so yeah, it's just it's more just about like choosing something that that you like and you think you know sort of represents your brand. And I think in 2022, in sort of like the age of right now, making sure that like if you Google it, it's it's Googleable, right? Like because every most people are gonna find you by search. So you don't want to search broadly and a whole bunch of other things come up. So I have the luxury now of I tell somebody friendly and I know that if you Google that, we're going to be the first like 10 results. And that's like a pretty powerful thing. To me, that's more important than like how clever the name is. You know what? You're right. You do need a name that's memorable. I love the name. I actually did do a little bit of research into the definition of Fron. 
That is absolutely that's absolutely genius. Because I mean, because again, I think a lot of founders they struggle with finding a name that that kind of gels with what they're trying to do. For, I know for me with my business, I spent months trying to figure out a name that that kind of encapsulates what we're doing. Well, I'm a huge history buff, so I, I love history. I'm a person of color as well. I like Japanese culture. So let's let me just look and see if there happens to be like any any samurais from from way back when. And then and then I started to to kind of look at things a little bit differently, and I'm like, okay, so now this okay, so this okay, so now there's a samurai. And the name is the name is somewhat recognizable, mm-hmm. different. Now what do I call it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. What else do I add on? Because again, I'm doing I'm doing headphones, right? So then I went to yeah. Germany and a lot of <laughs> a lot of them say like motor works or or like beer works or something like that. So, right, so right. Something very like sort of engineering sounding, yeah. like yeah. And you know what? And people ask me like, why did you call it audio works? And I'm like, well, mm. Because in the beginning, I thought I was a tech company, right? I thought I was going to be producing software and and not really focusing too much on on like actual headphones or earbuds and that. But then as I progressed in the process, I realized that I am a manufacturing company. So audio works kind of works together because I'm doing because I'm actually manufacturing audio and I'm I'm working in that space so that it's everything to do with hardware and audio. Right, right. right. And then kind of moving into software as well, but that's a whole different thing. But mm-hmm. but again, I really do like the name. Um, it's super solid. Um, it's simple. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> simple. It, it's easy. Uh, it's different, but you don't really get too much these days now. And, and you get a lot of companies kind of following along that same same line of kind of going way too far out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And then oh. Okay, why would you why would you misspell something to make it mm-hmm. to make it fit what you're doing, right? Yeah. Or, or making it difficult to spell or difficult to say or, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. What was it like building the company? Well, I mean, I, I sometimes have trouble talking about this in the past sense because we're very much to the beginning. You know, like I mentioned, you know, just over a year since we sort of since I started working on the website and you know still under a year since we sort of launched the website, made our first couple of sales. Yeah, I, I think it's just like a constant, you know, learning and growing process. Yeah, I mean, it's never short of challenges. And, uh, but I, in a lot of ways though, like it's been, it's been pretty easy because I think like my whole life has really been like leading up to doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, like I genuinely feel like, you know, this is like a culmination of previous 33 years. So yeah, it's been, it's been very, yeah, I think, I think just natural, right? I mean, incredibly hard, like nobody can ever sort of explain how difficult, you know, I I don't even bother to try to get people to understand because you will never know unless you do it. And I think everybody sort of has their own experience. I think there were a few things that, a few opportunities that, that sort of happened, you know, in the, in the last couple of years. Uh, even in the pandemic that actually made it a bit easier for me to get started um, and sort of pushed us like along. But yeah, it's been it's been the most difficult and the most rewarding thing I've I've ever done. Um, I've never been so uh, sort of challenged, but also so happy. You know, a big, a huge part of like what I really want to do with my life post friendly or while I'm working on friendly is really to help other people get to this place because 
I believe that there's a lot of people doing things who wish they could start their own business or feel like, you know, they want to or have an idea, but there's just, you know, the road is not as well paved as it should be to, to entrepreneurship. Like there's so much personal risk that you have to take and 60% or something like that of Canadians work for small businesses, yeah. uh, small, medium sized businesses. And yet, you know, how can we have an economy sort of like propped up by all these small, medium businesses? And the only way they, they really get started is with such great personal sacrifice and risk. And yeah, it just, it needs to be easier. We need to create more of a pathway. It needs to be a real option, you know, whether it's like, you know, post high school or, you know, post-grad after university, you know, how do I become an entrepreneur? And, and, and I, I actually talk about this specifically in reference to not just tech, because I think, I think with tech, it's a little bit easier. Um, there's a little bit more of a road there, you know, there's incubators and that kind of stuff, but like, you know, who's, who's sort of modernizing the, the like laundromats and like the hardware stores. And yeah, I think, you know, the, the cleaning businesses and like you know, those kinds of the, the plant stores, right? Like there's a lot of these things and we're sort of seeing it similarly with, with skilled trades, right. That like, you know, everybody's getting into tech and nobody's who's, who's building our houses, right? Like these are important things that we actually really need. And so I, I'm really passionate about some of these sort of heavy, dirty industries and businesses that aren't necessarily as like glamorous, don't necessarily revolve around tech, but that really do need to be modernized. And, and I think there's a lot of opportunities like out there for people to do it. Yeah, sort of like a, a little sidetracked on your question there, but <laughs> the, uh, yeah. You know what? I absolutely love just your thought on that, just because I've, I've kind of been struggling with that as well, because I'm like, a lot of people think business is super quick and easy. It's going to be like year one, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do this many sales or year two, I'm going to be, I'm going to be able to do A, B, C, D, E. And they don't really count the true cost of things. And they don't really realize, Hey, School didn't really prepare me for this. I kind of have to do this on my own, and I kind of have to, I kind of have to dig around a little bit and struggle through things. However, I will agree that we do need to do a better job across the entire board, including other entrepreneurs that are in the business as well, going to schools and and really educating people about what it takes to actually run the business, and not just saying oh, we made a million dollars last year, but saying how many pitfalls were there to that $100 million roadmap? How many nights were you up struggling through your stuff? Who helped you? Who didn't? Yeah, yeah. Right? Being able to actually physically count the cost of what you're doing. I mean, tech to me is it's a bit saturated, but again, there are there's so many up and coming company, companies because COVID really pushed out, pushed a lot of people outside of their comfort zone. They're like, okay, I just lost my job. I don't necessarily want to go back to the office or to or to a conventional work style. I want to be able to run my own business, but but, but I'm just not sure how to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure what the process is and how to how to really go deep on this. And that's where getting actually building your own community, jumping on LinkedIn, jumping on Instagram, jumping on Twitter, jumping on TikTok, and those other social medias. That's where you know a lot of more seasoned people are and you'll be able to mm. sit down with them and chat right to say hey i want to start a business how do i do that right yeah and then it's not like it's just a friendly conversation you're not you're not necessarily saying i want you to walk with me through this 
I just need I just need you to kind of give me a fuller a, a fuller view of of the field so that I can make mm-hmm. I can make an informed decision because again yeah. I know for me back when I started doing businesses right I had no idea of the true mental toll that it would take on on my body and, and just the personal sacrifices that I'd have to make right mm-hmm. but but again it's something that I have to learn through trial and error yeah um you know, I think doing is, is definitely like the best teacher, but I agree with you that, you know, sort of using some of these opportunities like communities on LinkedIn and, you know, the internet has, I think, allowed us to connect with more like-minded people than, than ever before. And that's like truly the power of, of being online is that you can learn from people, you know, all over the world that might be doing something, you know, similar to you, or you, you can learn from that maybe you didn't have access to before. And, you know, in the past, we've been restricted to just like our communities and those people who are around us. And I think seeing, you know, somebody do something really gives you also the confidence that you need to keep going. Because if you have nobody in your life, you know, who is who's done this before, uh, it's really hard to see how it's going to be possible. And so I do think getting, you know, getting online or finding a community, it could be local, it doesn't have to be like online. And then, you know, really listening um, to that community, listening to those people, right? Like, you know, asking questions and stuff, but in the beginning, you really just need to be a sponge. In the mm-hmm. beginning, you need to just like, and I think that's one of the things that, that really benefited me is that, you know, I've been so sort of enthralled with entrepreneurship for such a long time that I had been listening for a really long time. You know, I had been reading books and listening to, to podcasts and and I'm really just absorbing a lot of information so that by the time I got started, I had all of this insight already. And I think, yeah, if it's something that you like really, really want to do, you know, I think in the beginning, you just have to, to open your ears and, and just start to understand and learn you know, how do these things like apply to me and how do I apply these, these, these sort of things. But, and I also think that you're absolutely right, right. That, you know, some of this sort of mental, emotional toll um, is something that uh, you kind of have to like learn, you know, the hard way. But I think, you know, people sort of sharing and being more vulnerable online now, especially in communities like LinkedIn, um, it really allows you to see, to get a peek behind the curtain and to really see what these people are going through, you know, not just from a, a business point of view, but personally. And I think it just, it, it can help people be a little bit more prepared, you know, like there've been some really tough days at Frontly. Like there've been a few moments, moments where I've like, you know, probably wasn't going to, but really felt like, how am I going to continue to do this? Like, you know, really wanting to to throw in the towel and say that like, I'm, I can't do it. I'm exhausted. Like I can't do it. And yeah, there was just like one moment where, you know, I had like a new employee start and, you know, I was telling him just like how much this like meant to me. And we had a difficult couple of weeks and I like broke down into tears because, you know, I was so, you know, just like sort of grateful, um, but also just like exhausted and frustrated and, and yeah, I've, I've sort of described the first year of entrepreneurship as, um, you know, this extreme, ex- experiencing extreme gratitude together with just extreme pain. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, and it's, it's such a wild experience to just feel so grateful about something, to be doing something, but then for it to, to sort of hurt you so much, you know, it's kind of like, it's like, you know, kind of like love or imagine the closest thing, you know, that I'll probably experience to that is, you know, maybe like having a child, um, where I sort of, you know, I hear the parents sort of express, 
those kind of extreme emotions about something and you have no control over it. You know, other entrepreneurs still are hearing those things. You know, not, not everybody's the same. Not everybody's going to break down crying. <laughs> but I do think that it sort of pushes you to your limits, you know, emotionally and intellectually. And it's a really awesome thing because you, you achieve and you accomplish things that would never have been possible otherwise. But you have to be like strong. You have to be resilient. You have to just, you know, the most important thing you know, forget about the names, forget about the tactics, forget about all this stuff. The most important thing is just that you show up every day. If you can do that, like you'll be okay. So, you know, a lot of people, they, they spend, they, they get, you know, they spend a lot of time sort of sprinting, right? So they work really hard for like months at a time, but inevitably like you burn out, right? And like what I tell people all the time is like, think about the long term make your life as comfortable as it can be so that you can work hard at this thing because you cannot sprint for years. And this thing takes years. There's no business that takes six months. There's, you know, even, even six years is a pretty short time in, in most, you know, in most industries. So you have to, to put yourself in a situation where you can keep going every day. You have to get a lot of sleep. You have to exercise. You have to make time for your family and make time for your friends and your mental health, you know, go for a run, walk in the woods, you know, take a vacation. Um, you know, I think people think that they wear this sort of badge of honor that they have to like suffer, but that's not going to work in the long run. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think sort of sharing that vulnerability and also sharing the reality that like, this is not meant to be, you know, sort of torture. Uh, the whole point of doing this is that this is something that you enjoy and that you want to do. And in the first year, I had to constantly remind myself to have fun, um, even when it's really hard, even on the hard day, really difficult days. Like, don't forget, like, this is your dream. Yeah. Don't forget, like, have fun. Right. Like, it's not not every day. Every moment is going to be, you know, laughs and giggles. But um, you want to make sure that overall you're happy because what's the point otherwise? Right. One of the best days that I've that I've ever had was when I hired my first employee. Good day. And good day. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fantastic day. And I'm like, okay, a lot of the work, because I've been working, I'm working by myself for, for over a year. And to be able to say one day, I have the capital to get this prototype started and mm -hmm. finished. Right. Mm -hmm. And now, and now I can bring somebody in that mm -hmm. can help me get this thing off the ground. Yeah. And just saying, Okay, it's it's my stress level went from like up here where yeah, I was yeah. like breaking down. I was near tears breaking down <laughs> yeah. and it was rough. And I, I remember I, I went to my mom one day, like, mom, I want to call my mentor tonight and let her know that I quit. Like and she's like and she's like, Joshua, you're not gonna do that. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm not so sure. Right. But it, again, it's it's resiliency, constantly showing up and you know. I used to think that business was a sprint, but as I've as I've gotten older and as I've gotten a little bit wiser, hopefully, and as I've and as I've talked to other entrepreneurs like yourself, I've kind of taken on a different philosophy. You know those battleships in the Navy that 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 kind of, they have a bunch of ships around them, then they have the capital yeah, yeah. ship, right? And that ship can take can take a beating or two, but it, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it's it's slow, it's slow. It's steady, but it'll keep moving. It's not, it's not as fast as the other ships. It'll just keep moving, right? And yeah, be inconsistent. Yeah. Just keep moving. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what will 
come, it, it will still have that forward, forward momentum, right? Yeah. Allow it to keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good analogy. It's, it's, it's really built to last. And um, where we're so obsessed with speed um, in our like, you know, day and age. Um, and yeah, I try as much as possible to look at, at the very most sort of in the, the sort of, you know, one year sort of time horizon. And then most of the time, now that we're sort of past like a year, I'm really looking more to like the, the 10 year horizon and thinking about how do we build something that's going to be around for a really long time. And that is really loved and has, you know, contributed something meaningful to, to people's lives, you know, to, to our employees and to our customers and to our vendors. Um, and that's genuinely what I'm like interested in. And I genuinely believe that those are the businesses that are really going to last um, innovation, you know, while, you know, I think necessary to a certain extent, I think sometimes we get a bit too overwhelmed with sort of flash, um, and, and we sort of like neglect the, the elements that are gonna, you know, provide longevity. Um, and to me, that's like, that's where I would like to focus is on like, how, how are we going to really make a modern company and innovate, you know, maybe 10% on like the industry that exists now. Um, to sort of take it into the next 20, 30 years. I think, again, I think we've been so conditioned to be focused on innovation and the new next thing that we're not focusing on, like, the actual foundational thing mm-hmm. that will make our business be a bedrock. Right? Yeah. That it'll last for 25, 50, 75 years, right? And reach, reach that annual milestone and even go past it. Yeah. And again, if you look at, as an example, my uncle was saying that, and that he's in tech, right? And he loves, like, he loves technology. And, and so, so he said, I bought a phone a couple of years ago. I was, I was really loving the phone. Nice. And that was about three years ago. And he said, Samsung just came out with a brand new phone. The The actual technical spec between this phone, the phone that he has, and the new phone aren't that different. But Samsung is touting it as like this brand new thing. It's new, it's customized, it's it's just better, it's better, it's better than the older version. I think we need to focus less on, on innovation and focus more on building those pillars that will hold our business up long after we're gone. Yeah, totally, agree. 100%. What was it like having the mindset, not really the mindset, but just but just being an employee to being a founder? What was that shift like for you? Well, I mean, I, I always, I, I do feel like I've always been very entrepreneurial, even when I worked for somebody else. Hmm. So I think, I think actually it, it felt very liberating because, you know, when I was an employee, even though... I always felt very entrepreneurial and I, you know, did lots of different jobs and, you know, I sort of took initiative to, to sort of like try and improve things. Um, and, and in most situations, in a lot of situations, I was lucky enough to be given a little bit of freedom in a lot of the roles that I had to, to actually do, you know, some things that were maybe a little bit innovative or at the very least, you know, iterative on, on things that, that had always been done a certain way. Um, so it, it really just felt like the shackles were taken off. You know, a lot of my sort of frustration at previous jobs have been because I wanted to try something new or I wanted to try something different and, you know, it wasn't my job or it wasn't the way the business did it. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's been nice to just sort of have the, the sort of shackles removed and, 
for me to be sort of let out. And, um, and now, you know, I, I only really answer to myself and I mean, that's not hundred percent true. Cause like you do answer to your customers to a certain degree, but, um, you know, the decision-making is like on me, if we want to try something like new, generally I try it within like 24 hours. If I have like a, you know, an idea that I really love. And so that's really fun. Um, it's, it's, it's felt very, you know, like a very sort of like natural progression. And I think the best way I could describe it is really just like being released into the wild, you know, like, um, this is always like who I was like, you know, the, the sort of, um, entrepreneur was always like within me and, and just being able to sort of channel that in a very productive way, you know, even though I've been coming up with ideas and had all these thoughts and stuff like that, like having a business actually put some of those things into practice, um, I think has been, has been really, really fun and really rewarding. I absolutely love that point of, of it just being inside of you. Yeah. Um, it's just like an itch you can't scratch until you leave the situation or environment that you're in and you're like, okay, this is who I am and who I've always been. I haven't been mentally prepared to kind of be that person that I am now. I kind of had mm-hmm. to go through some things. I had to, I had to grow. I had to change. I had to mature to be able to get mm-hmm. right. I do think there were probably a couple, a couple of things that really helped me. Um, and I think the biggest one was you know, something that I alluded to earlier, which was getting to sort of see other entrepreneurs in action, other CEOs, other founders. And that really, you know, kind of started when I moved to Vancouver. And, you know, it seemed like everybody around me was like a founder or like a CEO or was working for like a startup. And that sort of just like made, you know, the startup environment and like entrepreneurship seem very normal. And it, it, it really gave me a lot of confidence, you know, especially getting to know uh, founders of successful businesses. So, you know, I was lucky enough to meet all of the founders at Article. There's four uh, founders who have all had previous uh, successes, you know, either businesses that, that did really well or ones that they had sold after, you know, building them for, for 10, 12 years. Um, and just getting to, you know, the CEO of Article, like, you know, I would I would see him like in the we had like these like locker rooms at, at Article, you know, if we like went for like a run or like went to like the gym or something like that. And yeah, they were, they were sort of just like very casual conversations where um, I get to sort of experience and like learn about him as a human being, you know, and learn about his background. And and similarly with, with other founders that I met when I moved to Vancouver, my first landlord actually was like a, you know, uh, an entrepreneur and had like three or four really successful businesses. And he was younger than me. And just sort of seeing that like, these are just people, you know what I mean? Like, sure, they're doing these things that we really admire. I'm like, they're being interviewed in magazines and podcasts or whatever. But, but ultimately, that was like really important to giving me the confidence that I needed to say that the only difference between me and them is their decide is the, is a decision is that they decided that this is what they're going to do yeah. and it's the same with with anything right like if you want to become president or you want to become a doctor like the, i mean this so maybe a president is a bit diff- more difficult but you know my you get my point right yeah. like the difference between maybe becoming a politician and becoming you know a doctor or or something else is it, really just a series of decisions and it just starts with that first decision which is like this is something that i'm really passionate about and something that i want to do and something that I'm going to pursue. And then it's just about showing up every day. So I think surrounding yourself with like with people who are have already done it or who are doing it and not just learning from them from a practical point of view, but also just sort of absorbing, you know, sort of rubbing elbows with them and being like, hey, like this guy is just a guy. This 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 lady is just a lady, right? Like it's not 
they're not superhuman, right? And I think there's a few exceptions, you know, like in any industry, there are exceptional people. I think, you know, um, a lot of the people we see on TV are exceptional. I think Elon Musk is probably exceptionally brilliant, but for, for most people in this, in this industry, it's really just about the decision that you make and, and then showing up every day. Yep. And you're right. It's, it's about being consistent. It doesn't matter rain, sun, sleet, snow, whatever. You're working on your business. And feelings matter, but they don't dictate what you do. You are constantly just moving forward. You're constantly moving on to the next thing. And you're, and you're not uncontented, but just like, what's next? It's more of anticipation. It's more of, okay, I, I conquered this mountain. What's the next one? And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs that they don't necessarily think about the pre-planning for their business, like getting a good support network in, making sure that you're mentally and physically prepared for the task and just stuff like that. I, I would love to get your thoughts on, on just the five things that you think aspiring entrepreneurs can do before they actually get into starting their own business and preparing themselves adequately for the task at hand. I think the first one would be to like, you know, wherever you are, like whatever you're doing, if like you've been thinking about this for a long time, just make the decision right now that this is going to happen for you, right? Like it's, if it takes, you know, six months or 10 years, it doesn't really matter. Just make the decision that like, hey, I am an entrepreneur, even though you may not have a business as yet or an idea or anything. If you feel like, you know, a connection to, to what you're seeing out there and to like that community, and those people make that decision immediately. Nothing, it costs nothing. You know, you don't have to do anything. Maybe write it down. Just, just start to identify as, as that thing. You know, you are an entrepreneur, right? Um, and, and then, yeah, just, just sort of slowly start to like build on that. So the next thing I would probably recommend is like, you know, really start to surround yourself with, if you don't already, the, the content and like the people that embody where you want to go. So whether that's like a brand or a startup or um, a person, um, whatever that is, just, just start to like build little things in your life that can help you just, you know, either it's create more ideas or understand a bit more about the industry that you're interested in, um, or, or maybe even just sort of like, you know, feel good. So whether it's like a group of friends um, that, that sort of work in, in an industry that you're interested in or work at startups, even if it's not the industry that you're interested in, or it's a podcast, um, you know, my first introductions really to entrepreneurship were, were through a magazine and then a podcast. <laughs> and that was really my introduction to the world. And so thinking that like, hey, like this is like real, like, you know, I can do this. Um, and so I think that starts to sort of break down the barriers and it really just starts to make it a part of your life. So, you know, make the decision, you know, then surround yourself with like the content and like the people, if you have access to them, I mean, content is super easy because, you know, we have access to the internet pretty much everywhere in the world. So, you know, search for some entrepreneurship podcast, there's no shortage, um, you know, start reading some, some articles. Um, and then the next one would be some practical things. So, you know, it's never going to happen unless you put things in like real things in place, the things that really matter. So money, time, you know, support, um, you know, those things are more crucial to your success than some brilliant idea, right? You can have a thousand ideas, but if you don't have, you know, any money to support yourself and any time to like work on this thing and no support from other people closest in your life, it's just you're not going to get anywhere. So 
you know, I would think those, the other thing is that those things make it real. So one of the things that I did that I thought really helped was, you know, I, I tried to start a few different things over the years. And every time I was trying to start something, I was trying to get it going from zero immediately. And I think what would have helped and eventually did help was I was like, you know what? I know I want to do this entrepreneurship thing. I don't know exactly what I want to work on as yet, but I'm just going to start talking to people about it. I started talking to my, my family. I started talking to my partner, my friends, you know, had a few things with, with a few friends that, you know, maybe we'd start some business together. Um, and then the other thing I did was like start saving a little bit of money. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make a goal over the next like six months, very like low, you know, sort of um, um, low investment, but I'm just going to put in, you know, a few hundred dollars every month. And the goal is to sort of have like five or $6,000 so that when I do have this idea or I do sort of feel like I'm ready, I have a little bit of a nest egg, whether it's to take a few weeks off work or, um, you know, build like a prototype or a website or pay somebody to do something for me, like whatever it is, I'll have something to get started. And that, that also makes it a little bit real. Yeah. And then the third, so the support, you know, money. And then the next one is time, right? Like, you know, you don't have to have a Herculean effort uh, to, to, to build a company. Like what I, I mentioned earlier is, is particularly true um, in, in this in this situation, which is that um, you just need to be consistent. So even if that's just 30 minutes a day consistent, if you do that every day, that adds up really quickly. And because it's sort of, it's so low effort, you're very likely to continue doing it, but you have to set out that time to like work on it. And even if it's not, you're working on something specific, you know, I worked on so many things, so many hours that didn't sort of come to fruition, but I learned something from all of them. And so I think that sort of like takes me into like my next point, which is in the beginning, focus on learning, right? Focus on getting better at like whatever it is you're doing. You're building a website, you're becoming a photographer, like you, I don't know, planning weddings, like what, you know, entrepreneurship takes many forms. And I think you just want to sort of like slowly, you know, repeat a process or repeat an effort. And naturally you will get better at it. And you'll also find paths that you didn't know exist by doing that you wouldn't have otherwise found just by thinking. So, you know, definitely sort of like putting some time and effort into, into, to being in that place and focusing, you know, really heavily on, on learning in the beginning um, that can take you really far. And then you ask for five. So I've got, you know, make the decision, surround yourself with content and people uh, that embody the place that you want to be. Uh, the next one is, is, you know, sort of set up some practical things in your life uh, that can help you get there, you know, money, set aside some time, get support, talk to people about it. It's really, I think, putting it in, out into the world sort of makes it real and makes you believe in it. Um, and it also opens up things in your minds when you share with other people that, you know, you, you wouldn't have otherwise come up with on your own. Um, the And then the, the fourth one is sort of like, yeah, like, you know, practicing you know, learning, um, you know, I don't feel like I'm a finished product by any means. Like I'm constantly, you know, learning and, and trying to put myself in opportunities where I can continue to grow. And I think the fifth one, I think the fifth one is, is, is make it easy. Um, if this is too hard for too long, you're going to give up. So, you know, what easy looks like for, for different people and for different um, uh, different businesses is, is, is going to vary, but I think you have to be in a general space where things are comfortable because if you're not overall, 
you know, there's going to be hard days. It's going to be amazing days. But if overall you're not comfortable and this is not easy, you're going to quit because it's so hard. So, yeah, like, I mean, some of the th- examples I would use is that, you know, in the beginning I was working seven days a week and pretty quickly I was like, okay, can't do that. Not going to, not going to be sustainable. Not going to last, you know, years doing that. So I, 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 I created some hard boundaries. I was like, you know, I'm not going to work past 6 p.m., uh, more than three days a week. I'm never working on Sundays. Those are like sort of like my non-negotiables. Yep. So at 6 p.m., you know, two days a week, I pack up, I go home, I exercise, I make dinner, you know, go to bed at a reasonable hour. And then the other days I allow myself to just do what needs to be done yep. um, and work until, you know, whenever I need to work. And then on Sunday, I rest. <laughs> I do things for myself. Um, I don't do any chores. I pretty much just make it a day of just complete and utter just luxury and if that involves like wasting the entire day i've earned that and i think we we experience like a lot of like guilt of like not being productive but you have to give yourself some time to just like be free of like the structure um so yeah and you know some of the other things that you know i focused on in the beginning you know like when i was looking for a a place to to sort of house you know this little sort of like plant nursery slash fulfillment center i was like it needs to be super close to where i live because if I have to commute every day for an hour and a half, like it's just going to become a challenge. It's going to become a chore and I'm not going to want to go into the office. You have to remove those barriers. You have to remove as much friction as you can. Um, and I think that'll like really help you succeed because like I said, the most important thing is to show up every day. And if you have to commute for an hour and a half and you don't like the work that you're doing and it's too difficult and you're working until midnight every night, like you're going to quit all burn out, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, making it, making it easy is, um, or as easy as it possibly can be is, is super important. You are so big on. I spent so much time working seven days a week, pushing myself, basically almost trying to kill myself just over the, the amount of work that I've had to do. I think you are right that you need to kind of take a step back and to allow yourself to, to just decompress that could be yeah, for yeah. days or just even, I know for me, I work better on in half days. I work a lot more efficiently, right? Than, mm-hmm. than, than others, what I can get maybe five or six things done. And I start at like, let's say 8.30 and I'm done by like one. They're done well. I've done everything that I can do. I'm, I'm like, that's why, and that's why I decided to bring on other employees that, that could kind of mm-hmm. help me manage the business because again i don't know everything right? yeah, yeah i will never i will never have enough time to read every single book that is that is underneath the business and ma- and manufacturing and audio genres right yeah know everything to cover absolutely everything it's about making sure that you have a support system like you said right but i think also yeah, yeah. Too, outsourcing when you know it's not your strength, being able, being able to say within yourself, I can't do this and I need to get someone who, who does. Yeah, no, totally. I think having that humility, yeah, is super important. You're right with the learning. However, I wouldn't stick to just learning. I would, because I kind of did that for a year. I took myself out, out of the equation. I didn't, I didn't work on any businesses. I had many ideas, but I'm just like, I want to sit and I want to learn. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I, I read through all the books I can get my hands on, but it was interesting. I was reading Gary Vee's Crush It. And he said, you can spend all your time reading these books and you can amass all this knowledge. But if you're not going to be willing to step out and just do it and just go and and just 
see whether or not you'll fail. You can always dust yourself off, right? Yeah. But, but again, I think we need to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to try it. I don't know what I'm doing, but there are people out in the world who do, and I'm, I'm going to find them to bring them alongside. Right. I find it so almost interesting that people are not necessarily talking about doing the lev work before the game and how you can avoid a year of fears and suffering and pain. And to not say those things are not required, but you can avoid a lot of those entry-level mistakes. And again, I would never be able to find a mentor, right? Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, I found one and she is beyond fantastic. She's been able to help me mitigate a lot of those risks that, that I would have taken or to completely avoid situations where, where I would have found myself in if I didn't have someone like her or her in my sphere to kind of be like, whoa, whoa, what are you what you're doing here? Or have you thought about this? I think having that mindset of just saying, you know what? I'm just going to go and just see what happens. And I think so too. I actually actually have another guest coming on who does education. So we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship and how to really prepare yourself on the educational side as well, even if you're in high school, um, yeah, yeah. to really get into the mindset of, okay, if I want to do entrepreneurship, this is what I need to do before I start my business so that I'm able to better succeed and how school can kind of help me and still be able to give me the education that I need, some of the connections or or opportunities that that will help me down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean I yeah I agree with you, and I mean sort of my intention of sort of saying, you know, uh, to focus on like learning. Um, yeah, I really sort of meant it as the same way you know that I feel Gary V talks about it, which is it's sort of learning by doing. Um, and putting yourself out there. Cause I agree with you that, um, you know, have, you know, I think, I think books can be, can be really sort of like instrumental and in sort of shaping thought, but then you have to go and like apply it in the real world and like figure out, um, you know, how it's going to work for you and, and, and what the results are going to be. And, and that's sort of like what I meant, you know, like, you know, when I say that I learn every day, it's not necessarily because I'm consuming a ton of content, uh, you know, books or anything like that. It's it's really more that I'm learning by just running the business. And yeah, I mean, I think genuinely, like that's sort of what yeah, I meant by focusing on on learning, because in the beginning, you're not going to have the answers, right? And the alternative to, to to trying something and learning from it is to assume that you sort of already know what the right thing to do is. And that I think that can be like a really dangerous thing um, because a lot of time you're really just like applying other people's things, thinking or ideas or things that work for other businesses and other times and other places. Um, and really and truly like you, you're never gonna know. Uh, you make your best judgment and then you give it a shot um, and then you see what comes back. Yep. So so yeah, definitely agree with you and and, and Gary V. Um, yeah, you gotta put yourself out there. You. Um, but then it's important when you do that, like you, you're observing what's going on, right? And that you're not just like doing something and then just like letting it, letting it go. It's that you're sort of reflecting on it and being like, okay, what was the result of that, right? Did it, did it sort of achieve what I wanted it to achieve? Like what, what can I take away from that and how can I do it better next time? Put all of, all of Chad's contact in the description and you guys can reach out to him or, or reach out to me and then I'll, I'll, I'll put you guys in touch with you guys if you guys feel shy. I wanted to add one more thing 
to the five things that that we talked about before we end because I'm a huge introvert and mm-hmm. and I thought entrepreneurship was being out there and to kind of be bubbly and happy and all this other stuff and then COVID hit and then I realized now is the time for an introvert to really shine because you're you're more or less in your element and you're able to kind of build your business but again in a way that they are comfortable with but that mm-hmm. but, but that it'll, it'll still give you opportunities to still be uncomfortable i think that's really important that's awesome yeah looking forward to hearing that because i think that's like something that we like desperately need is yeah for for young people to understand that this is like a real path yeah i think it's becoming more common now but i think there's a long way uh for us to go yet to make it just like a mm-hmm. um, just an everyday thing for sure um yeah chad where can people find you linkedin Website. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, yeah, fairly limited in terms of like our, our market size right now because we're just in Vancouver. But um, I would definitely recommend, you know, following me, uh, Chad Camacho um, on LinkedIn, um, following, yeah, Friendly Plants. I think probably following, you know, my profile is a bit a bit more engaging because we don't really post from the company uh, profile just yet. But yeah, definitely share a lot about, I try to share a lot about my story and just the journey that we're on there. Um, so yeah, definitely recommend Chad Camacho, follow me on LinkedIn. All right, uh, Chad, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really enjoyed this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, check out Tromney Plants and Chad Camacho on LinkedIn. He has really engaging content, and I absolutely love his concept and, and really what he's trying to build. Uh, I guess I'll talk to you later, Chad. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening to Why Mastermind. If you like what you heard, please write a review on any available podcast platform. You can also check out the website at www.ymastermind.ca or www.ymastermind.com for more amazing episodes. Come on the show yourself or have your business or event sponsored and other goodies. The podcast is available on all podcasting platforms. You can follow me on LinkedIn at Joshua Bennett. Links to topics articles, guest contacts, and other information will be in the podcast description. Till next time, stay healthy, stay happy, and if nobody told you this today, I love you.